Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Pleased to meet you, we're all glad you came. Won't you try and remember our name? Hello and welcome to Locked on Sharks. I'm your host, J.D. Young, and today I am joined with uh, the Battlefield and Call of Duty to my Halo, uh, Kyle and Eric. How's it going, boys? And dude, just stole, just stole Kyle's thunder, man. <laughs> Ow. Ow. I was not prepared. I was drinking a beer and couldn't, uh, apparently yeah. I had to be like split he second. Just, he just... Naked in there, dude. He just Elizabeth warned you, man. That was fucked up. She went to oh. the protest. She's not that bad. It's true. Oh god. I prefer, right. I, my, my my preferred snake is Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's a snake. I don't. I don't mind Kevin Durant. I don't Seen mind Kevin his Durant. entire life. <laughs> this is not locked on warriors. He does though. Anyway. So we're not going to get into Kevin Durant as a snake or not. That's Locked On Warriors, and I'm sure they will tell you that Kevin Durant, not a snake. Okay. Uh, so, so today, Green, got... superiorly underrated, supremely underrated. That's the wrong word, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm finished. Sorry, no more Warriors. <laughs> nobody wants guy. to hear my nobody. Awesome. Nobody wants nobody wants to hear my Warriors takes. Green, yes, absolutely. I've, I've I've had the private conversation with you on on the Warriors. But what's, your, anyway. what's your Warriors take? Oh, Curry is by far the best one, and Clay's pretty good too. And the rest are just. Uh, Draymond, Draymond had a legit MVP season in 2016, but no one knows it. Okay, let's go. Sure. <laughs> you know, All right. hold on. Last Warriors thought. If you watch Draymond Green shoot, it looks like he's wearing a backpack, and it's yes, unsee that true. now. Yeah, it's that's unseeable, un- unseeable. I don't know. Maybe, yes. his, maybe his impact is through defense, but uh, it's like the uh, when someone points out the little arrow in the FedEx logo, and then you can never unsee that. So. The worst. Yeah, but worse. <laughs> like like the like the shape between his arms. You mean? No, up. just the way he jumps. Oh, no, no. Is, oh, I'll send you the things. The way he shoots is awkward, and it looks like he's wearing a back. If you've ever tried to shoot a uh, a basketball with a backpack on, it's the exact yeah. same way that he's shooting, but he's not wearing a back. Funny. Oh yeah, send, no, I'll send you all the photoshops. Awesome. Yeah. I please, yeah, please uh, show me. Okay. Yes. All right. So we're today we're going to talk about uh, the available NHL coaches. So we after the kind of couple press conferences that uh, Dougie has put out, it's kind of it's almost for certain that uh, Bugner is going to be back next year. But we thought it would be a good idea to kind of educate everybody on the available coaches out there. Uh, including some of our personal favorites. Um, and then so we'll touch on Bugner as well, but we're just going to kind of dig into uh, the other coaches, their styles or what they're known for. And then uh, Eric has the fancy blobs as well. So you guys ready to get going? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go, man. I think we should start with our personal favorite uh, first. So Bugner? we're going to start with... Uh, yes, Bugner. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna start with Ricard Gronberg, and you're, a lot of you guys might be like, "Who, whom is this?" Uh, so he is the head coach of the Swedish national team. Um, he has basically dominated over in Europe, especially in the um, 
when it comes to like the nationals and stuff like that, where many winning multiple gold medals and silver medals and such with that uh, team and very analytics uh, coach has been coaching Eric Carlson on the national team. And Eric, I know he is, he's up there for you. Do you want to fan over our boy for a little bit? Yeah. Uh, I don't have any shop lobs for him, which surprise people, but also uh, don't exist for the Swedish leagues, at least coaches anyway. Um, but just like, I just like his, and part of this is also from a lack of information. I haven't done the research as much about other potential NHL coaches about their like philosophy and how they approach the game, but just reading his interviews. So he did, he did two interviews with the athletic 2019, one with John Vogel and one with Scott Wheeler. Um, it's like reading his answers, how he approaches coaching and, and how he thinks about hockey and that sort of thing. It just makes me seem like he a really good job of uh of doing stuff with like a team full of NHLers, which is basically Team Sweden, which you just said he's done really well with. Um so a few a few snippets from these, these interviews that I liked. Um master's in communication degree, so I taught myself to read and write and express myself in front of people. The thought, so I have an understanding of how people work in groups. That's really, really important when you're trying to do something special and you have a team sport. Like statistics, the analytics, because it's cold. It's black and white. Actually, what happened? Sport is passionate and you get emotional and can be swayed by winning and losing. What I like about analytics is it's this is what happened within this game and this is what this player is doing. The informational flow. I think the biggest thing nowadays for coaches is how we package that and how we present it to players. So, on and on and on about how like, it's an important part of decision making and how, of course, you need video and analytics together. But I, I appreciate that he just sort of came out and said, Yeah, I, w- I want to do this. Versus Bob Boudner had a quote uh, that someone passed around shortly after he was named interim coach, where he was basically like, eh, Analytics, like, so much my thing. Yeah. Uh, John Vogel interview talks about um, Vogel writes that his coaching style features a free flowing game where players aren't defined by their position. This is a quote from Gromberg. I, we need to learn how to pronounce his name. Involve um, all five players in the defense as well as the offense, he said. The game is not as static anymore. Everyone needs to go outside the box a little bit. Forwards are not always forwards, and defensemen are not always defensemen. It's a situation that steers and dictates that. That's how you raise the pace of the game. Everyone wants to talk about fast-paced games, and I agree with that. I like that part of it. But sometimes you just don't have that kind of a team then you have to make adjustments to a new way of thinking. So I, I really appreciate that. Um, in two, two interviews last year that he, he shows that he knows that, that the coach, you need to constantly adapt and change. And he understands that why speed is important. It doesn't necessarily mean just having a bunch of fast players. It means being able to move the puck quickly, having people not necessarily play the traditional positions. Also, the fact that he's into analytics, uh, unabashedly exciting for me because I think that it's a good thing for a coach to be about. So that's kind of my my thing with him. Oh, and also, like you said, JD, he spent a lot of time coaching Eric Carlson, and that's kind of who the Sharks are built around these days. So, like, why not reunite them? The only back about him is that he recently on the record with, I think, Afton Bledet and I probably pronounced that horribly in Sweden, the main Swedish newspapers, 
said that he has no plans to leave the Zurich team that he's coaching right now, um, especially with the uncertainty of the pandemic. So his, his I think, contract goes through next year maybe, but he at least quickly has said that he has no intention of going to North America time soon. Yeah. Um, I The thing I kind of really like is where he doesn't seem rigid to win. So like he's willing to fit his system to his players instead of the other way around where it's, this is my system, you know, if you don't like it, there's the door. So, you know, it seems very flexible and is, wants to play up-tempo fast hockey. Uh, any thoughts, Kyle? A lot. He didn't really say he wasn't, didn't have any plans. He just said the pandemic was bring his um, because he has to do like Zoom meetings. You can't get tired over Zoom, I don't think. I don't think that's gone there. But ironically, his best skill might not even be analytics because like, aren't performing they're not performing whatever um it's that he has a once once a month sit down with all of his players not at like his desk and they just talk and talk about hockey they can talk about hockey and if they want to talk about you know, whatever they want they can talk about whatever they want which is important in a coach especially today it's not like back in like the 50s when johnny unitas had the four four corner haircut and everything was like the army um it's a lot more player powered stuff so a coach can't just be this taskmaster who doesn't get anything from players so um he's also like directly if you read all the quotes from um, former players like andreas jansen and stuff like that they all say how he's a great coach for the players specifically um in addition to all the other stuff but he's just like the best at being there um only issue is that the last time an uh, a european coach was hired in the nhl was 2000 and Pittsburgh hired Ivan Holinka, uh, and Chicago hired some dude who I don't know what his name is. Um, so yeah, there's been 20 years since they hired, uh, the NHL's hired a European coach, and it's going to take an enterprising franchise to do it. And I just don't think Doug Wilson is that guy. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I uh, like I said. I mean, I we like him. We just think he's a very interesting guy. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're you have to fail. you have to eventually think outside the box and do something different and get. Yeah, what's the point of have of retreading a different voice that's always going to be when you can have a new voice try to bring something new and gain that edge where the smallest of edges are valuable ironically san jose is owned by a person who lives in germany that there's no even remotely appetite for hiring a european coach it's just kind of weird think about it there's one european gm the armo kekalainen of the blue jackets has almost lost his job like three times oh just put the chances really low right now because he's European more than anything. His name yeah. was Richard Greenberg. I'm sure he'd already be a coach. So. All right, guys, we want to tell you about an exciting new uh, advertiser we have. So rockauto.com. Uh, they get you auto parts. So if you're one of those guys who likes to tinker with your car or you need to fix your car, um, great thing about them is they're, own, they're a family business. They've been around for 20 years. So you get that uh, you know kind of close connection. Um, you don't have to worry about, you know, if you go into one chain, you know, department store, you get one price, you go to another, you get a different price. Rock Auto prices are all the same for everybody and they're reliably low. Uh, they always offer the lowest prices rather than changing prices based on what their market will bear like airlines do. Uh, RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Uh, so right now, if you go and you uh, use RockAuto.com, let them know that we sent you so you can uh, write locked on in the how did you hear about us and 
So again, remember, amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts you'll ever need, rockauto.com. If you've been listening to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Sharks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Sharks fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Sharks fans in a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. All right, boys, do we want to talk about Bugner really quick um, just to kind of get him out of the way? Bob. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So Bob, uh, he, uh, you know, coached the Sharks before that, uh, coached tears at uh, Florida for the Panthers. Uh, then he was let go. Um, his coaching career, he is uh, 94 wins, 82 losses, and 25 overtime losses. So uh, we've, I mean, we've kind of touched on Bob before, but, you know, like you definitely saw a kind of better play since he uh, took over in a really tough situation. Uh, what do the fancy stats tell us about Bob, Eric? Uh, the fancy stats. Uh, I didn't look. I didn't look at his time with Florida because I was lazy. Um, but I can tell you, 20... it was bad because he got fired after like a year. It's true, but also like coaches, Gallant got fired, even though his team had pretty great underlying stats. Anyway, um. The last four, last twenty-four games, I think, of the, of this pandemic season, Sharks were thirteenth in five-on-five shot share, also known as Corsi. Thirteenth in five-on-five expected goal share, twelfth in unblocked rate of unblocked shots for sixty minutes they took, and seventh, surprisingly, seventh rate of expected goals they generated after being pretty poor all season. So, um, while the defense remained. Kind of held serve, I guess. Um, it did under bore and didn't really change a whole lot. The offense did get markedly better, uh, and we know that, or I'm assuming, can at least attributed it. Attributed it. I can't talk. Attributed to how Bob talked about wanting to generate offense from down low, create a lot of shots around the net versus DeBoer's weird, like send it back to Brent Burns and let him fire away kind of thing. So. While, um, while he and and Micah McCurdy tried to, to kind of analyze coaches' individual impacts on teams and winners this year was a bit below average uh, offense offensively and, and an average coach defensively. So he doesn't make a whole lot of impact um, on that measure. But I do think it's fair to say that he helped the Sharks improve their offensive standing at least at five on five this season. Uh, I talked to Corey Snyder and better on, on Twitter who tracks that's manually for teams. And he said that he noticed that the power play seemed much improved and that they did a few different things. Once Bob took over, it looked better than what they were doing under the DeBoer regime. So yeah, cause he's thought a, was not good at his job. <laughs> I disagree, but anyway, but while, <laughs> um, while 
Buckner would be a boring and uninspiring choice, assuming he's probably going to be back. And there were at least a few good things that he started to do, at least offensively. So even if he's not like, woo, cool, fun, new coach, um, there's, there's some to be, there's some stuff to look forward to if he comes back as the bench boss. Yep. Unless he's the same boring missionary that the Sharks have been having for five years. There's better doggy style options on the board. It's just the well, same. I agree. I'm agree with shit. you. Yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm just making you because you know how dumb it is to hire the just a, a Pete DeBoer lineage type guy. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I agree. agree. So yeah, we agree. We we know he's most likely coming back. The players seem to like him. We think you're basically getting Pizza Board 2.0, except for without the Brent Bombs Burns. Uh, Brent Burns Bombs. That's, anyway, uh, so let's move on. We we know what he is. All right. So we mentioned Gallant. So that's uh, I think probably the kind of the next place to go. So uh, Gerard Gallant. Uh, he started with the Cumbus Blue Jackets uh, back in the day. Uh, three years there, three years at Florida, and then, of course, three years at Vegas, where he was fired uh, midway through the season. Uh, he, his record as a coach, uh, 270, 216, four uh, ties and 51 overtime losses. Uh, he Tie? brought what? Yeah, back in the comments. Back in the day. Yeah, back in the day. day. dude. I want ties. Bring ties back. All right, keep going. All right. Uh, ties great again? <laughs> make ties great. Yeah, yes. make ties great again. Um, Not a tie bow tie, though. Don't know how to tie a bow tie either. Anyway, brought Vegas to the Cup in 1718. Also won the Jack Adams Award that year. Uh, I think he'd be a very interesting hire just because of the frosty relationship that he has with the Sharks organization. Uh, famously calling uh, the entire organization clowns. And But he's a good coach. The biggest thing is that him probably jousting with matter at all. It just literally doesn't matter. Like you're not gonna pass somebody up because they said something bad about your inanimate organization. Like it just it just doesn't matter when it comes to hiring. Yeah. He called Pete directly a, a clown though. I thought he called Pete. I hope a clown. so. I think he did. I don't know. I oh yeah, he called Pete a clown. He said the Sharks are a Peter clown. Anyway, amazing. That's amazing. So, key abstract. Who I forget. Rob Volman. Rob Volman. Um, and I, unfortunately, I'm not looking at, at how he calculated this, but he put together, in eighteen, he tweeted out a chart, and along the x-axis was, it had had did games of head coaching experience, so weighted by by the leagues they coached in. Y-axis was, he did points above expectations. Now, I don't know how he calculated the points above expectations, so it might just be... Oh, he did just get hired by the Kings, though, so clearly he's doing something right. Um... And Gallant, despite not having a ton of head coaching experience, very, very well. It was one of the top three coaches in weighted points above expectations among all the current NHL head coaches in 2018. So there is evidence of him doing well, I would say, at many different levels. He had the 2014-17 to 17 uh, Panthers, and I'm only using the full seasons here. So the seasons the guys got fired, I'm not using mostly because I was lazy, too lazy to go find the like half the half season of games that they coached in. But um, in those two full seasons, 
Panthers were 16th shot share at five on five, 13th in their share of expected goals, 20th at, at creating unblocked shots, and 22nd at creating expected goals. So their offense was kind of hooey, a middle of the road team. Um, I don't know who's on their roster, but I can't imagine it was very good. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of anybody right now. The fact that they were kind of middle of the road ish, poor Which offenses. Team? The Florida the, 2014, 15, and 15, 16, and 16, 17, um, That would have been like baby Huberto, uh, Bukad, baby rookie Ekblad, Barkov as like Barkov. a rookie. Some, some yeah. good players, but like no Trocheck, right? And like no. Well, Trocheck was there. Uh, okay. Fishman, Jimmy um, Hayes, Brad Boys. They were kind of all right. They were like mad young. Okay. Other than yeah, Brian so... Campbell, who's like a thousand years old. Right. Yeah, they also had Yager that year, I'm pretty sure, who was forties. Yager. Oh, that was like the year yeah. Uh was was Keith Yandel on the team yet, or was he still wherever oh, he, like he in, in New York? He would have still with Arizona. Arizona? One where of those. Keith, where is Keith Yandel these days, man? Anyway, um okay, so he it wasn't like rough just talent, a young team. but it wasn't yeah. yeah, young. So the fact that you're the fact that you're holding up kind of middle of the road five on five stats is decent but not a whole lot to speak of offensively with vegas again full seasons only from 2017 to the 2019 season we're fifth in five on five shot share sixth in expected goal share ninth in generating unblocked shots on offense and sixth in generating expected goals on offense had pretty similar numbers this year i have no idea why they fired him especially to hire pete DeBoer. um micah purdy's Impact of coaches looks the average, pretty average in offense and defense. He's basically has an average impact on the team, which is interesting, like given, given, I guess, like his winning percentage and that sort of thing. I still think, based on being tortured by watching the Sharks play Vegas two seasons ago in the playoffs and looking at matchups and that sort of thing, it certainly seemed like Gallant outcoached DeBoer in terms of matchups and putting together that were better than the sum of their parts sort of thing so i think he would still be uh an improvement upon bob and of course yeah um one thing that like with vegas is their super aggressive four check where it's you know like they're that is kind of their their calling card and i wonder how that would play with the sharks where some of their forwards, I mean, you have like your hurdles and couture's, but like, I don't know if they have maybe the forward depth to be able to play that way. What do you think, Kyle? I guess it was shit their first year and played that way. So, um, I mean, technically being super aggressive, it works better if you don't have superstars because the superstars don't want to do it. Um, they'll, they'd be fine. It's just about having one guy attack the puck carrier in their own zone. So like we see that with I weirdly Bugner does this where they play like that down low style and they have the guy up top being aggressive. So they'll do it. It's not a, it's not a big deal. Like the, they would just have make sure that every line has a guy who would be the the point guy. So they'd have like a Kane who would do it. Um, not hurdles too slow. A Kane, a LeBanc, uh, a Sorensen, those Nason, those type guys who would just be up there causing havoc and they do it. They'd be fine. Um. I think Nason would flourish in something like that, like in a role like that, don't you? But uh, Galant's had shit teams in their career and, and turned them all into gold. Um, the big thing about Galant, though, is that he's never lasted more than two and a half seasons because he's a supremely colossal douchebag. 
So I think when we, when we analyze coaches and stuff like that, we look at the results, but we, oftentimes we leave out the human element, which is weird to say, yeah. because when you're building a team, you can generally be like, this player is really good. Let's put him here and he'll just be good on the ice and you can see what works. Whereas the coach has to have more of that with his players and stuff. And, and, he got fired by Columbus 15 games into his third season. He got fired by Florida 22 games into his third season. And he got fired 49 games into his third season with Vegas personal and Vegas. Was, yeah. Personal <laughs> PB there on Vegas. Um, Vegas was doing well. And, and Florida was coming off the season where they finished first. And I think there's truly, truly some assholery going on with Gerard Glant. And it's been reported before that he's not the best guy to have around for long periods of time. Yeah. But, can use him for two years or three years and hadn't seemed to have success. So um, also he's an improvement because he won the Jack Adams. So, I mean, he's going to be better than Bob Bugner. <laughs> yeah. He's I given, given that might be sort of interesting. Only that the sharks need to get back to the playoffs ASAP might be a guy who can take whatever shit Wilson is able to throw together with his current cap issue and that sort of thing. And do better than most coaches would do over the next two yeah. seasons with them, and then yeah. allow allow some of these allow Doug a couple extra seasons to get rid of some of these bad contracts, filter some bigger guys in, sort of figure shit out a little bit, and then then and then you kind of go from there. after that, right? Yeah. And use them as a use them as a, like a bridge gap, um, yeah. to, to see what you can pull out of a roster that's kind of locked in. Yeah, that's a good point. That would be of ideal for what he's done and then you can just fire him and be like well he's a douchebag so exactly what are, exactly. What are we gonna do what are we gonna do um, i like it I, th- I think he is a high level coach i just we miss out on the fact that he's not uh that he's uh not great in the room because he was coached from when he was 40 to 43 and then there's an eight-year break um yeah oh so, i don't know i think there's something that's something to look into but yeah i like your idea of using a bridge oh yeah right. bridge contract Top bridge coach it. contract yeah, yeah, exactly. Use up his RFA, his senior citizen year, 56. Love it. All right, guys. Also want to tell you about Built Bar. Uh, Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Yeah. Uh, they are super healthy. Uh, great thing about them is they're 100% covered in chocolate, and they taste like a candy bar. Um, so, and they're great. So if you're a health conscious guy like Eric, you know, works out, or if you're like me, you got the dad bod rocking, you need to lose a couple pounds. Uh, they're great for both, you know, for all types of people, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. And right now locked on is doing an awesome promo with them. So if you go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on, you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, use the promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. All right, guys, we'll do one more for this episode and then we will, uh, cover the rest on Thursday for part two of this episode because we just have a bunch of coaches to talk about so i think uh the next guy to talk about uh is bruce boudreau who was fired by minnesota this season uh actually he was fired right before the sharks played him um so his record 567 wins 302 losses and 115 overtime losses uh he also uh coached the ducks and the caps uh for five and uh he got fired in his fifth season for the caps Won the Jack uh, Adams Award 2007-08 with the Ducks. Um, so, what do we think about Pudro? I would like Pudreau. to offer up anecdotal evidence beforehand. Okay. 
I worked in my hometown. I worked at a casino and worked at this steakhouse. And there was a guy who lived in a really who had a cup of coffee in the NHL and absolutely dined out on this fact for up to this point, so like thirty years. Um, but anyway, somehow he got connected with Bruce Boudreau, um and brought him around. And I had to serve Bruce Boudreau dinner, um, and he uh, tipped me twenty percent. So. That's a, a good thing. Bruce Boudreaux was also pure red in the face the entire time. I don't think that's just like, <laughs> I don't think that's just like a rink thing. Like I thought, I thought maybe like he's just like has like just getting riled up with the adrenaline at the rink, but no, that's just like an everyday thing for him. So, and he is also very like people's appearances is bad, but we've made fun of him for having like an egg shaped head and stuff like that. He is very round headed in person, but. Um, <laughs> And uh, thanks every time I dropped off his meals and asked me politely for stuff and then left me 20% on a, on a pretty big bill. So, um, yeah, full steam ahead for Bruce. <laughs> I, I, I like, I like Brucey Bruce. So on, on the hockey yeah. abstract chart, he walks in with the highest points above expectations of any of the coaches on this chart of one, two, three, I don't know, 30 something coaches. Um, so that's exciting. This again was of 2018. So, um, I think even if you just pop onto hockey Twitter for a bit and, and search his name and scan long enough, you'll see he's pretty highly regarded by, by folks who spend a lot of time watching and paying attention to this kind of shit. So it's, it's always a good, I don't know, maybe not always a good sign, but it is a good sign here uh, with the caps from 2007 to 2012 ranked fourth in both on five shot share and expected goal share. Third in unblocked shots generated and sixth expected goals generated on offense. So they were a powerhouse, but they also had the the Backstrom OV duo tearing things up. Um, Anaheim not as good. Thirteenth in shot share, tenth in expected goal share, still fourteenth in unblocked shots, offense, and tenth in expected goals. In Minnesota again, I didn't include this past season because he was fired. 19th in shot share, first in expected goal share, but this is funny. It's not funny. 17th in block shots generated and 20th in expected goals generated. So that expected goal share was mostly back of his ability to coach the team's defense. If you look at his isolated impact, though, Micah McCurdy's um, calculations does seem to follow that sort of declining turns that he showed over the course of those three teams where in 2007-8 he shows a, a propensity to help teams generate quite a bit of, of offense and help them do well defensively and all of that has kind of dried up where today he's basically an average coach so gotten progressively had a progressively smaller impact on his team's abilities to generate offense and and prevent uh, opposing offense over the years so might be a thing where he's kind of just like maybe despite his reputation he's failed to evolve and it's kind of at the end of his road at this point so uh i don't know i think i think you're still probably talking about someone who's more exciting than bringing bob back but i also you have just the same way we look at shot blobs of players sort of consider hey maybe this guy's over the hill and he's not going to improve the same is true of coaches, and and it might be a little bit more of a risky signing than what was once thought. Um, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Kyle. Sorry. Oh, is my is my short answer. Oh, uh, 
so the first 12 seasons of his career, uh, 10 of those were full seasons and two of them were, uh, well, I guess, sorry, 11 seasons of his career. Um, 10 of those were full seasons. Then in 11, 12, he got fired by Washington, hired by Anaheim. So if you take out that partial season, he made the playoffs in every single full season he's coached. Um, then he missed the playoffs last year uh, with Minnesota. And this year he was closer, not close, but Minnesota's pretty trash. They were um, about 500 when he got like a 45% chance of making the playoffs per aggregate average models of playoff probability. But now they're in it to win it, I think, because uh, <laughs> yeah. because of COVID. Um, so so he made the playoffs every single year that he had a full full season to do it. And he didn't always have like stacked teams, late period Ducks teams. Yeah. Teams. Is Ovi a and Baxter damn, in, in damn good coach. Yeah, um, he seems Green, like a good like, teacher. Green and Carlson. It's fine. He still made the playoffs. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, um, I'm, I'm, I'm giving, I'm giving our listeners context. I, I will say, that, again, I'm not, I'm not saying that that Micah's model is sort of the Bible here and everything must reflect back to that. But it is, it is cool that he he made an attempt at, at quantifying coaches' impact. And I'll say that kind of uh, standings points and that sort of thing might even be like the the raw point totals of coaching. But it is. It's true that he made the playoffs in, in every single season, like you said, except for one or two. So that is impressive, regardless of what his isolated impact on the game might look like. Still think again, be a solid option, but there might be a little bit more of a buyer beware getting him to a longish term deal. All right, guys, I think that's going to wrap it up for part one of our coaches talk. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday to finish up talking about uh, who might be behind the bench. Uh, so if you want to get a hold of us, uh, you can email us at LockedOnSharks. Don't do that. Or easier way to get a hold of us is on Twitter at LockedOnSharks, uh, where we're good online boys. Uh, if you want to talk to us directly, you can find uh, Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Demetrius, the way you spell words that are spelled that way. You can find Eric online at foulball 15 you can find JD at my fry hole. And yeah, uh, thank you to the Honey Wilders. And that's going to be it for us today. We'll be back on Thursday for part two, where we'll keep talking about uh, available coaches. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 
96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.